Good morning. So I'm really excited this morning to be able to introduce uh, not only my, my leader, my spiritual covering, your spiritual covering, um, and my friend. And um, Bill is going to come this morning. He is working on getting his doctorate in uh, transformational leadership. He's an amazing leader. I have to say we are so blessed and so honored to have him as our leader. He's, he's a brilliant man. And he's fun and funny, and um, he's, a, he's a dear friend of mine, and he's also our, our pastor. So can you welcome Bill Cheney? Wow. That was extremely humbling, wasn't it? Yeah, Beth. I mean, uh, but thank you, Jody. We really love you, and very proud of your pastor and the team Man, we are just honored to be here. We're so grateful that we get to worship with you today. So um, let me just uh, get right into it. You ready for some word? Yeah? And the rest of you, what are you here for? (laughs) I'm just kidding, just kidding. Uh, The coffee, right? Yeah, okay. I'm just playing with you. So if you have your iPhones, please turn to Galatians 5 uh, or whatever method you look at the word with, right? And we are going to talk today about what it means to stay in step with the Spirit. There is a a term that is in the King James that says walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. When I hear that, I think that almost sounds like I'm in a trance. You know, what does that mean, walking in the Spirit? And as I studied it out, I realized it's better translated staying in step with the Spirit. So we're going to talk today about what that means means. Because what I've learned about myself, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. Anybody identify with that? Yeah. We want to blame the devil on everything. And sometimes it's just my selfishness, right? And yet I love God. And so I'm wanting to change. And I've discovered that even when I want to be free from my self-centered lifestyle, I've discovered it requires a power beyond myself because myself is the problem. Right, And so I need some outside help, and that power is made available by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus qualified us to receive this dimension of power. We're not worthy, but he qualified us, not just by dying on the cross, but by living a perfect life of obedience to the Father himself as a human, voluntarily laying down his his rights as God, because he's equal with the Father, and living a human life to perfection, which is amazing, surrendering his will to the Father in every facet. So here's what I want you to catch about that little part, that his death accomplished what it did because his life was what it was. You see, I could die for your sins, but that wouldn't help you at all. Why? That's the guilty dying for the guilty. What makes this thing work is that the innocent died for the guilty. And what I call the cross is really just an X to me in this way. It's the great exchange, if you will, to where Jesus took upon himself, the perfect one took upon himself all of my sin, past, present, and future. He won't be crucified again. So he took upon himself all of my sin, but that's only half of it. The other half is he put upon me all of his righteousness, the great exchange. How many still thankful for the great exchange, right? 
The rest of you, we're going to introduce you to the great exchange at the end of the service. So what's beautiful about this is now I have my sins forgiven and I am now qualified to walk in the same power that Jesus walked in. I mean, I think sometimes Beth and I have been privileged to travel uh, I've been to more than 50 countries, and she's been to most of those with me. And one time we went on a vacation. We went to Italy, and we got to go and see uh, all the beautiful things in Rome. We went to Florence. It was just a wonderful trip. And I remember going to see the David. Do you know what I mean when I say the David, right? Same place where the Mona Lisa is. And here's this huge statue, statue Michael uh, Angelo, um, you know, sculpted, and it's just huge. I mean, the feet are above your head, and then it goes up taller. And, and I went out to the parking lot afterwards, and I was amazed, and the guy was selling little keychains with little Michelangelo David statues on it. And boy, that just was no comparison to what I had just seen, <laughs> right? And I think that sometimes when we think about walking in the same power that Jesus walked in, that we think he walked around with the big Holy Spirit and all we get is the little keychain Holy Spirit. There is no keychain Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. We expect keychain experiences when we've got a huge original David kind of opportunity. So let's raise our expectations to what the Holy Spirit is able to help us accomplish because it's all for his glory. It's just to our benefit. Jesus living a sinless and obedient life. He spent his whole life staying in step with the Spirit. That's how he was able to never sin. God wants us to really understand his Holy Spirit's role in our new lives. So we're ready for Galatians 5 as I read beginning at verse 16. And it says this, reading from the NIV. So I say, live by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. Remember, I'm trying to control myself. You do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit. Would you say fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is, see if any of these interest you, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hmm, I'll come back to that. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want to back up to that self-control. Now, if I were to tell you about Beth's car, I could say it in at least two ways. I could say, that's Beth's car, or I could say, that is the car of Beth. Now, that sounds weird, but it means the same thing. So if I say, this is the fruit of the Spirit, isn't that the same as saying, this is the Spirit's fruit? Yes, I'll help you with the hard ones. Yes, the answer is yes, right? (laughs) 
It is the Spirit's fruit, right? And what does it mean? It's the Spirit's produce, which means it is what the Spirit produces. And we're talking about self-control as one of the Spirit's fruits or produces. In other words, He gives me the ability. He produces in me the ability to control myself. But without Him, I've already read it. I'm just, I'm at the mercy of my sinful passions and desires. I need the Holy Spirit to work with me. And for that to happen, I must stay in step with His Spirit. That's what allows Him to produce in us His fruit, even of self-control. So, to stay in step with the Spirit, let's talk about a few little things. Uh, And here's one. The Holy Spirit is the source of my new life. He's the source of my new life. Now, you've heard the expression, born again. Uh, We sang this song earlier. Uh, I think the very first song said, I was breathing, but I wasn't alive. You remember that? How can that happen? Well, we'll talk about that. Our spirit was flawless at birth. That's why babies, when they die, go to heaven. But once we're at an age of responsibility and accountability and we willfully violate God's law, something happens. Our spirit dies. Our soul is still alive. Our mind, our will, our intellect, our body is still walking around. But Paul even says it was as we were walking around as dead men, like zombies, right? What is he saying? He said, you weren't fully alive because your spirit died when you sinned. Now, we go back to the beginning, and there's a Hebrew word that I love to say because it helps me clear my throat. It's called ruach. Now, I want you to try that, okay? Ready? Ruach. See? Don't you feel better? It's a wonderful... It's like, there's, a, you know, these words like buzz that, that are designed to sound like what they're describing. That's one of those words. Ruach. It is the wind or the breath of the Spirit of God. When you see the word in the Old Testament, spirit, breath, or wind, referring to God, it is the word ruach. And it can be uh, translated in any of those three. They're interchangeable. And so as you feel the wind going over your, your vocal cords, the ruach, I mean, it's just adding a little bit of touch to it. And here's what happened. You see, when God created man, Adam, he did so from the dust of the ground. But nothing really happened to Adam until God breathed into his nostrils, the Bible says, and man became a living soul. When God ruached into him, he became alive. But then what happened? He willfully violated God's laws. And now he was walking around as a dead man. So what happened? Jesus came to pay the full price for our sin. By the way, not just a down payment. Look, I'll get it started, and then you're going to have to jump through all the hoops to finish it. That's not what salvation's about. That's called probation. You screw up one time, and you're out of here, going to hell, right? Nobody ever wrote a song called, Amazing Probation. If I blow it, I go to hell. If it, no, nobody's going to make money on that song. That's not what Jesus came to do. It's amazing what? Grace. grace. Yes, grace. Thank God for grace. So upon our faith in Jesus' substitutional atonement that took place on the cross, remember the, God, the great exchange, what happens when we accept Christ, God breathes His breath, the wind of His Spirit, the Ruach, into us and makes our spirit alive again. That's what we mean when we say we've been born 
again. We don't have to have this happen every time we sin. Because now, once we've accepted Christ, we are living through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And ironically, it is that very power that helps us defeat the sin in our lives. Look at Romans eight thirteen on the screen. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We belong to him. And he doesn't abandon his own children. Okay, he corrects us sometimes. Anybody had any correction by father? Yeah? The rest of you got it coming. I'm just saying because... You will make a mistake one day. I know you're awesome right now, but one day you'll make a mistake and he'll lovingly correct you. The Holy Spirit has birthed us into this invisible kingdom where we are not just subjects of the king where we bow, but we're children of the king where we hug. He's our king, absolutely. Don't underestimate him. But he's also Papa, Father God. He uses his power not to belittle us, but to raise us up. He uses his power not to destroy us, but to protect us. He loves us so much. The goodness of God is so incredible. The Holy Spirit, I like to refer to this wind, this breath, this spirit as the oxygen of this invisible kingdom that we're a part of. We breathe him in, as Pastor Jody said, and we breathe out praise. So let's talk about the second part. We got to know he's the source of our new life. We owe it all to him, but he is also the leader of our new life. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit or stay in step with the Spirit. It's easier to surrender your new life when you realize that you're surrendering your new life to the very source of that new life. You wouldn't have it without him. He wants to influence everything we do. And if we follow his lead, we will not go astray. Galatians 5, 24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. If we are now living by the Holy Spirit, he's the source, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading. He's the leader in every part of our lives. Every part. That means between Monday and Saturday too, not just on Sunday. Now, as Jody said, we in Foursquare, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Savior, he's baptizer, he's healer, and he's coming king. But before he returns and sets up his physical kingdom on planet earth, he actually wants to establish his territory, his rulership, or his lordship in your heart. He starts there. Now, I'm sure we all want him to rescue us and be the master of the universe, but will we allow him to be the master of us? Are we willing vessels in his kingdom. Now, God breathed his breath, the wind of his spirit into us, and he, he made us alive. And now that same wind, now you'll see Paul's writings, a lot of times he talks about the wind or the breath of God in nautical terms, like a, a sail. You remember the old boats back in those days had one sail. And, and they would steer, not just with a rudder, but even with the sail, and so that we find that when he talks about the sail or the wind of the Spirit, it propels us and directs us. And by the way, whenever a sail is filled with the wind, it takes on the shape of what's blowing in it. 
that happens to us too. We begin to look more like the character of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So the point here is, are we listening for those winds? Are we listening for the whispers of the Spirit? Do we wake up expecting God to actually talk to us? And it can be in such subtle ways, and we can miss it because they're whispers. And we love noise. We're addicted to noise. We're the generation that turns the TV on to go into the other room just to have noise in the house. And so here's what I want to share with you. A story when I was 17 years old. Um, I had just graduated high school, and uh, I just really got serious with Jesus. And I would surrendered my life to him, and I knew he was calling me into ministry. I lived in Texarkana, Texas, where I'm from. And I lived there for 27 years. And, um, but when I was 17, my great-grandfather, who was alive and well but couldn't drive anymore, he lived in Austin, Texas. That's an eight-hour drive. He had visited us for about a month. And somebody had gone and gotten him, but it was time for somebody to take him back. And so I, I volunteered. I'm not even sure why. It's a 16-hour round trip just to say bye to Papa. That's what I called him, as in Texas, remember? So anyway, so we get in the car, we drive down there, eight hours, get there. He lived on the Colorado River. Yes, there's one of those in Texas. And uh, so here, here we are, we get him up to his high rise, a senior living thing, and, and I'm coming back down and got eight hours to go. And as I was headed towards a parking lot, I heard a whisper. And it was the Holy Spirit who said, Walk down the river. So I'm like, okay. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I got a long drive, but okay. But you hardly ever win arguments with God. Have you figured this out? <laughs> he usually is more stubborn than you are. But anyway, so I decide I'll, I'll go down the river. So I'm walking down this cement. It was not really a boardwalk, but it went cement, you know, double, double-sized sidewalk down the side of the river. I look down about a quarter of a mile. And I see a guy throwing rocks in the river. And the Spirit said, go join that guy. Okay? Now, was it audible? No. But it was undeniable. There's a difference. So I went down there. didn't have a clue what I was doing except what the Spirit said. So I got down there by him, and I didn't say a word. I just picked up a rock and started throwing rocks in the river with him. And never looking up, just continued throwing rocks, I said... So how's it going? And he just kept throwing rocks. He goes, not too good. I said, really? I said, well, I think things are going to get better. And he goes, why would you say that? And I said, because Jesus just sent me on a 16-hour round trip to tell you that he still loves you and that nothing you have done will ever change that. And he wants to welcome you home. Wow, where did those words come from, right? Have you ever said something that God has prompted your heart and you yourself are going, wow, that was pretty good, you know? <laughs> you know it wasn't you. You know it was the Holy Spirit, right? And, and so I turned around and he was crying. He said, <clears throat> he said, you'd never know what that means to me. He said, my dad is an Assembly of God pastor. And I backslid years and years ago. I'm here at the Holiday Inn playing in a band. I've been drunk for months. I, I don't think my, I haven't talked to my father in 10 years. 
and I, don't, I didn't think God would ever forgive me. And, and so you can imagine how the conversation went, and I was able to pray with him. And when we were done, he says, now that I've talked to my heavenly father and made things right, I'm going in and calling my dad. I'm going to make things right. This is, this, is, this is just a tiny example of what happens when you're listening for the whispers of the Spirit. And you can do this. This isn't just, I was a 17-year-old East Texas boy. I mean, it's, it's not about me. It's about being sold out, surrendering, and expecting Papa to talk to his children. We as a church have a common commander, Jesus. And he is giving all of us marching orders. And to be in step with each other, we have to all be in step with him. You see, I want you to look at Galatians 5.25 again. It says, since we, would you say we? Since we live by the Spirit, let us, would you say us? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is what's beautiful in a church setting. Our ability to stay in step with the Spirit affects how we relate to one another and vice versa. I remember a TV show when I was growing up. It's still on TV land time to time. Anybody here remember Gomer Pyle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're, if you're so young, you have no clue. Look it up. It's pretty funny. But I remember during the opening credits, here's this sharp marine platoon. They are marching. I mean, their pants are creased. Their shirts are creased. And Sergeant Carter looks so sharp and fit. And, and he's giving out commands. And every one of those Marines are in perfect step. Every one of them except one, Gomer Pyle. And he's hearing, listen, he's hearing the same marching orders, but he is not in step. And when it comes time to do church together, I mean, I'm telling you, we're getting the marching orders from the same leader, but are we all in step So I want you to do this cheerfully, playfully. Would you look at somebody next to you and say, at adventure, please don't be the gomer. Go ahead and tell them. At adventure, please don't be. There you go. So here's the thing. When you're in step with the Spirit, brother, and I'm in step with the Spirit, guess what? We are naturally going to be in step with each other. That's how the unity can take place is because we're all listening to the same marching orders. So don't be a gomer. Number three, I keep in step by staying in his presence, by staying in his presence. And how do I stay in his presence? Well, one way, we'll talk about another in a minute, but one way is to worship him. As we use our words, our body language, our faculties to honor God. And praise Him, declaring His righteousness, His majesty. He comes to dwell in the praises of His people. And He'll do that Monday through Saturday too, not just on Sunday. Psalm eighty-nine, fifteen says this, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, who walk, staying in step, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. And another verse, not on the screen, puts it this way. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's how we become or how we come into his presence. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So praise is so important. I like to say that praise is the language of this invisible kingdom. We enter his presence through praise. And of course, you may say, but what do you mean the presence of God? Isn't God everywhere? I thought he was omnipotent. You studied that just recently. 
What does it mean then to enter into his presence? Back in that same place in East Texas, when I was about eight or nine, we had a little country store. I lived out in the, in the country and a little farm. And, and so we had a little country store about a half mile down the road. So I walked down there one day because I had my nickel because I'd mowed that two acres yard with a push mower. So just saying, I, I love you, Dad. I'm not holding any resentment. Dad was just proud that it had a motor, you know. So anyway, but anyway. So I go down there and I get a box of Cracker Jacks. You know what Cracker Jacks are, right? I did what all eight-year-old kids did my age. I opened it from the bottom. Why? Because that's where the prize is. I didn't even like Cracker Jacks. Well, I liked them a little bit. But I wasn't going to eat a whole box of them just to get to the prize. So I opened it from the bottom and I got this little bitty plastic magnifying glass. So I come back home. Now, this was in the fall of the year. The garden had already been harvested and was plowed up. And we had this huge row of sycamore trees down beside uh, the, the garden spot. And uh, those leaves get to be about this big. And they were dry and they were covered, covering the garden spot. So you got dry leaves, an eight-year-old boy, and a magnifying glass. Anybody know where this is going? Uh-huh, that's what I thought. So I'm out there sitting down. And I'm playing with this magnifying glass, and I'm, I'm burning holes in the leaves. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. This is awesome. But something happened. It caught on fire. And then the next leaf, and then the next leaf. And before I knew it, that whole field was on fire. My dad came home that day. And I'll never forget the impression he left on me. Uh, apparently, that was not acceptable behavior. And we didn't do timeouts in those days. So anyway, here's what I remember. (laughs) Here's what I remember. I took the sunlight that was already everywhere. And I magnified it and focused it into one spot and one place in time until it permanently altered the state of those leaves. What happens when we worship God? We are magnifying him. We are focused on Him. His presence is everywhere, but when you focus it, it can forever alter the state of your being. The fire of the Spirit will burn away the impurities and the dross in your life, and only what is pure remains. That's why we can never, we can never quench the Spirit's fire, which I'll come to in a minute. I just heard the song for the first time today said, and Jody, you let it, when I clearly see who you are, I am changed in your presence. That's my Cracker Jack story. When I clearly see who you are, you're there whether I see it or not, but when I focus on you, when, when I magnify you, when I am intentionally examining your goodness and your holiness and your righteousness, and when I see who you really are, then I'm changed in your presence. And that's how we stay in step, is by staying in His presence. So let me give you an indicator of His presence. An indicator of His presence is joy. It's joy. Just like the Spirit is the oxygen of the kingdom and praise is the language of the kingdom, I like to think of joy as the energy of the kingdom. Acts 2.28 says this, You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy, where? In your in your presence. And that's why I say joy is the energy of the kingdom. Because you know this one by heart. Nehemiah 
8 and 10 says this, not on the screen. Do not sorrow, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your See, you know it by heart. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the energy of the kingdom. The joy of the Lord through the Holy Spirit gives us a spiritual energy to accomplish things beyond our own human capacity. But I lose my joy when I quench the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about quenching the Holy Spirit's fire. I lose my joy when I quench the Holy Spirit. That's putting out the fire. Now, why would I want to quench the Holy Spirit? Well, I wouldn't. But there are things that I want to do that have the result of quenching the Spirit's fire. When I'm in my selfish human nature. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says it clearly. Do not quench the Spirit. In other words, don't put out the Spirit's fire in your life. By returning to living your own way. Out of step with the Spirit. Being that spiritual gomer. This is not just a rigid command, don't quench the Spirit. But remember, when I quench the Spirit, I'm losing my joy, my energy, my strength. This command is for my own benefit. He's not being mean, he's being merciful. Say, here's how you keep your energy, your joy. Don't quench the Spirit. How do I do that? Here's a couple of ways. I quench the Spirit when I refuse to grow. When I refuse to grow. Since the Holy Spirit is trying to help us grow up in our faith and to become more like Jesus in character, that's the fruit of the Spirit, and in ministry, that's the gifts of the Spirit, we quench Him when we are determined to stay immature, willingly unknowledgeable concerning the deeper things of kingdom life. The Apostle Paul sternly corrected one church that apparently had this attitude. I know this church doesn't, but that church did. And there's a principle we can all learn from. It says this, Dear brothers, I have been talking to you as though you were still just babies in the Christian life who are not following the Lord but your own desires. I cannot talk to you as I would to healthy Christians who are filled with the Spirit. I have had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't digest anything stronger. And even now, you, are, you still have to be fed on milk For you are still only baby Christians, controlled by your own desires, not God's. Now here's grace. You're still baby Christians. You're still Christians. You're still going to heaven. But there's more to it than just fire insurance. He's wanting to produce something in us of the character and the ministry of Jesus. That we really are his hands and feet. His hands and feet. His hands and feet. (laughs) Sorry, I told you I'm Texan. What can I say? We are his hands and feet. In other words, there's no spectators in the kingdom. We're all participators. We all have gifts, talents, abilities, and a calling to play our part. We don't have to do it all. We just all have to do something. And that way the body is coming together. Working together to accomplish what Jesus wants us to accomplish. But some people refuse to do that. They don't want to grow up. They don't want to be a disciple. They just don't want to go to hell. And they'll do as little as possible after that. Don't be that. Thank God for grace. But another way I quench the Spirit is when I reject His gifts. When I reject His gifts. It's not just rejecting the notion of the, the existence of the gifts, but refusing to engage in receiving all that He offers you. Imagine the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on your door. And you say, well, good morning, Holy Spirit. 
He goes, good morning. Hey, I've got some gifts here for you. I've got at least nine. There's more, but we'll call it nine. I've got these gifts and I'd like to offer them to you. And you say, well, let's see, Holy Spirit. I'll take that one and that one. And maybe that one, because these three aren't that embarrassing, but you can keep the rest. Have a good day, Holy Spirit. Wow, we would never do that. Would we? Or do we? 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20, it says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Don't look down on the spirituals, if you will. To reject anything that he would offer us is to say, well, that particular gift is not worthy of me. It's beneath me. What a mistake it is to reject any of the Holy Spirit's gifts. What spiritual gift of God have we maybe rejected? Just personal inventory. What about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the beautiful release of spiritual language? How many times have we respect, uh, rejected the Holy Spirit's gift because we didn't think it was what we wanted when all the time what we really wanted was wrapped up in the very gift that we rejected? And we couldn't see past that. If the Holy Spirit were to ask the Father for something, do you think he'd probably get it? Four of you are sure. If the Holy Spirit were to ask God the Father for something, do you think the Father would honor it? Yes, of course. So, especially if the Holy Spirit knows that it's something the Father wants in the first place. Look at Romans 8, 26, if you would. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered or intelligibly understood. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Wow, now think about this. Here's the Holy Spirit saying, I know what the will of the Father is. You remember Jesus said, if you pray anything according to my Father's will, it will be done. So how about you let me pray the Father's will for you by praying it through you in ways that are not intelligibly understood by you. But we'll get it because I'm praying the will of the Father. And he said, if you pray according to my will. The problem is we don't know what the will is. That's why we don't know how to pray as we ought. And the Holy Spirit's saying, but I know, I know, I know. Let me pray for you by praying through you. Just one example of a beautiful gift that we sometimes reject for whatever reasons. There's many more gifts. The third thing I want to mention, I quench the Spirit when I willingly sin. When I willingly sin. Now, I realize that to sin means to miss the mark. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean I've been lighting candles, drawing pentagrams, and worshiping the devil. There's other ways to sin. We all sin from time to time. And in fact, let's, let's make each other feel good right now. Could we do a feel-good moment? How many of you have sinned at least once in the last eight years? Let me see. Just one. How many of you sinned at least once this morning on the way to church? Now, let me see. There's a few that uh, they are honest. Okay. Good. Thank you for amazing grace. Hallelujah. We all sin. We all miss the mark. But I have to confess with you, one of the things that I struggle with is my weight. I want to be honest with you. Now, I want you, it's a little embarrassing. This is what I look like when I struggle. So you can imagine if I stopped struggling where that would go, okay? It would double, I promise you, okay? 
And so that's a, that's a, it's a sin to do some of the things that I do. And I struggle with it and I fight it. It's not the same as a bondage. The bondage comes when I stop struggling altogether. Now you apply this to your weakness, okay? Whatever your sin issue is, whatever your weakness... We all sin, but that's not the same. That's not what quenches the Spirit's fire. What quenches the Spirit's fire is when we stop struggling. When we stop trying to tap into the Holy Spirit's power so that we can crush that sinful nature. I remember (laughs) Zig Ziglar. I know I'm going way back now, but man, when I heard him, he was from Mississippi and I could understand his accent and it was just amazing. And I remember him saying one time, and he was a slim little man when I saw him, and he says, I just want to say that there was a time in my life, a period of 40 years where I was 40 pounds overweight on purpose. He said, now I say that I was 40 pounds overweight for 40 years on purpose because I have never accidentally eaten anything. (laughs) And boy, you talk about conviction. That hit me in the heart. You're right. I've never, I did swallow a bug one time accidentally, but other than that, I've never, I've never eaten anything accidentally. We all can relate. Just remember this. It's when we harden our heart and we stop trying. It's when we stiffen our neck and we, uh, and we just choose to practice a lifestyle of sin, abandoning the fight altogether. That's when we quench the Spirit's fire. But thank God for amazing grace. Ephesians 4.30, it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Why do I serve him? It's not so he'll save me. I serve him because he did save me. I know I'm going to be saved. I know I'm going to be with him forever. I'm not doing what I do so I get brownie points or somehow earn my way into heaven. He paid it in full. There's nothing more. How many of you paid off a car before in your life? How many of you after that last check, you just kept sending checks every month? (laughs) No, why would you, right? Jesus paid for your salvation in full. He was crucified. So could you stop crucifying yourself in the negative way of belittling yourself? We crucify the flesh through the Holy Spirit. But some of us, we think we're earning our salvation. It's a very big difference. Okay, we've been sealed in Christ. Let me just try to hurry now. I haven't been trying to hurry up to this point. Romans eight twelve says this. So, dear brothers, you have no obligations, whatever, to your old sinful nature to do what it begs you to do. Wow. For if you keep on following it, you are lost and will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you crush it and its evil deeds, you shall live. That's pretty powerful. You have a power available that's beyond yourself to crush the old sinful nature. Don't give up on the fight. Utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to perfect yourself in your own strength. It's futile. You must have the Spirit's power even to control yourself. Last thing is I stay in His presence by surrendering to His control. That's really what it's all about. When I live the way I want to live and reject Christ, it's really because I want to be in control. I want to be out of step because I want everybody to adjust to me rather than me adjust to whatever needs to be. This thought pattern, it's born out of a sinful nature and it leads to indulgent gratification, which is never satisfied, never brings true and lasting joy. Romans 8, 5 
says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, controlled by, only through surrender will you be controlled, because he's a gentleman. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. We could go into what kind of death that is. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. What controls your mind these days? What do you think about most of the time? Can you hear the Spirit's whispers on a regular basis? Are you listening for them? Or is silence somehow consoling you as you retain control? I've learned this. When I return control to Him, guess what? He returns joy to me. I'll close with this verse, Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for your word, which is alive and powerful. It's living, it's active, and like a scalpel, Like a scalpel, not a machete, not a machete that just destroys, but like a scalpel, it cuts away at things that need to be removed and it brings healing. And so, Lord, I pray that even in my own life today, that you would just have your way with me and let your word do what it needs to do and let your spirit, Lord, blow the fire of your spirit on me and burn away anything that shouldn't be there. Because, Lord, as long as I'm preoccupied with, with my weaknesses, I'll never fulfill what you've called me to do. And so, Lord, I pray for the power of your Spirit to fall in this place today and begin to do what only you can do. Speak to us in your loving way about how we could attune our ear a little bit more towards your whispers. Lord, remind us of how forgiven we are. Remind us of how much you love us. You'll never love us any more. You'll never love us any less. Because you are love. And you love us unconditionally. But God, I know that you're not done with us yet. You're not through. You're still working on me. You're still working on my brothers and sisters. I just pray that we would partner with you and not resist you. That we would acknowledge you and not ignore you. And that we would allow you to do what you want to do. Because it's for our benefit and for your glory. Now, while you remain bowed for just a moment, there may be some here today that you've not yet even begun this journey with Jesus. I want to just point you back to the great exchange. I just want to point you back to the cross real quick. I know that I have sometimes argued with people and once I begin to agree with them, they continue to argue. And I sometimes just want to say, can't you take yes for an answer? (laughs) And then... When we talk about salvation, I think sometimes it's hard for us to take free for an answer. A lot of people think, if I could straighten up my life, then I might start going to church. Or if I could fix this or that, then maybe I would ask Jesus into my heart. What I'm trying to tell you is that you got to learn to take free for an answer. He wants to give you eternal life as a free gift. All he asks is that you acknowledge him as the son of God who died for your sins, resurrected on the third day, is coming back between the cross and the crown. He has an incredible life plan for you. He wants to empower you into what we call destiny. It's more than just living, going to work, coming home, 
starting all over the next day, but a real life of purpose. It may be on your job, but with a new sense of purpose on your job. A new way of influencing your family that doesn't know Him. But it starts with you. So if you're here today and you're willing to allow Jesus, who took all sin upon Himself, He's ready today to put His righteousness on you. And it costs you nothing, though it cost Him everything. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I think I'd like that free exchange. Would you just lift up your hand wherever you are and just hold it up? And by that, I know what you're saying. Thank you, sir. Thank you, dear. Who else? Thank you, sir. Yeah, anybody else say, yep, I want in on that free deal. Absolutely. There is no plan B. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Who else? Anybody else? All right. All right. You can put your hands down. Now, I want us to pray a prayer together. And church family, would you do this to make it a little easier for everybody? Would you pray this prayer aloud with me? Let's all do it together. Repeat this after me. Dear God, today I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I have heard your word and I am responding by faith. Even though I don't understand it all, I choose to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.